0: Hi everyone, this is Dina McKay and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. You can find full show notes for this episode at blacktechunplugged.com. This is episode 9, and on this episode, I have Ebony Lee, the Senior Vice President of Strategic Development at Comcast. What's special about this episode is that I was able to record this episode live at Black Tech Week. This episode is very special to me because it was the first live podcast episode that I recorded. On this episode, we're going to discuss the many different roles and different paths for women and people of color to be successful in tech outside of the traditional STEM roles. And we're also going to discuss how companies like Comcast are able to stay innovative. While there's no perfect answer, silver bullet, part of the formula includes embracing disruption and innovation around us. So let's get it. And the whole mission for my podcast
1: is just to share knowledge and different experiences with black technology because obviously they say there's a diversity issue. And I just want to highlight that people are actually in the industry and doing amazing things in tech. So some of my past guests have been Sherelle Dorsey of the Club,
0: Rohan Giltz,
1: who does Inclusive, and I have a future release with Felicia, who is from Black Tech Week, so that's coming out soon. And then I have a special guest tonight. So Ebony Lee is the senior vice president of strategic development at Comcast. And in her role, she is a business strategy for the innovation team and innovation technology at Comcast, and she's held further other roles such as consulting, but we'll learn a little bit more about her tonight, so Ebony, come on up. So, Ebony, excited to interview you. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Hey guys. So we're going to start off with something a little bit fun. We're going to do two truths and a lie about Ebony. And so at the end of the program, you should know what are the truths and what is the lie. So one of the facts is that Ebony attended boarding school. Another fact is that Ebony likes to volunteer for underprivileged communities. And another fact is that Ebony used to do consulting. So by the end of the program, you'll be able to know what are the two truths and the lie. Obviously the one lie is that Ebony hates to travel, but you'll find out more about that as we go on. So Ebony, you are currently working at Comcast. Yes. So when you first got into Comcast, this was not a role that you took right out of college. So what are some of the roles that you did when you first graduated? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to
2: be here with you, Deanna, with all of you for black tech week um i left philadelphia this morning with freezing rain eagles. so yeah let's go eagles go birds <laughs> <friends. laughs> <laughs> um so really excited to be here with all of you um my journey is uh you know unique i guess in some ways and common in others so out of college i was a management consultant um, i worked for a company called at carney and did a ton of different projects um, from automotive to consumer goods to aerospace and all kinds of industries where somehow they trusted the advice of someone just out of college to do their numbers and run analysis and research. Uh, and it was a great learning round, right? Just to kind of you know, cut your teeth at interacting with clients, figure out communication, get up to speed really quickly on new trends and industries that I had no idea about before. Um, and that's where I first started to figure out what kinds of problems interested me more than others. And of course, you know, I I did a lot of work with the communications and
1: media and tech industry, and over time decided to focus there. Okay, so you kind of mentioned that obviously when you went to school, you didn't study tech. You're doing something completely different. So, how did you fall into the tech industry? Yeah, I was a a finance
2: major. Uh, I I did, you know, I was highly analytical, and I liked numbers and spreadsheets for some strange reason, Uh, but never really thought I would be in tech. You know, I'm that person when high-def TVs came out, last three TVs, my brother had to convince me to get one because he was embarrassed to come to my house and watch the TV. Um, So I I was never that tech-forward person, really. Um, But I liked interesting problems to solve, and I liked areas where things hadn't quite been figured out yet, where there was no blueprint for how to get something done, because those were interesting challenges to me. And so when I was in consulting and I did work early in my career, it just so happened that the types of problems that the tech industry had were more
1: interesting problems that were appealing to me, if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And I love that you highlight that you didn't come in as a coder, you weren't coming in the traditional route. You were a non-traditional, non-technical person who entered into the tech industry. So I love that you highlight that you don't have to be in tech to actually work in that. You
2: definitely don't have to come from tech or be a coder engineer. The, you know, Later in, in my career, I worked a lot with engineers. I somehow became that business person, kind of put in the room with all the engineers, and I think it was because I actually really do love to learn, and I'm very curious about how things work, and engineers love to teach. And so I was this audience and ready to kind of soak up all this information about how something literally worked, and it was a great way to learn and show interest in the category. Even though I had no idea, I could never do their job as an engineer, but I could translate. Right, I could understand what technology they were trying to build, what kind of problems it can solve, whether it can make us money, save us money, or improve the customer experience in some way. And I became that translator from a lot of technical teams into our business teams to get the funding, resources, and momentum we needed
1: to get those innovations out the door. Awesome, and so we're talking about being non technical in the tech world, right? So, I want to show hands from the audience how many people are non technical but still work in the tech industry? Okay, so quite a bit. So, as a non technical person who's working in the industry, what lessons have you learned and what can you share with the audience so they can be as successful as you?
2: I mean, I think you know is what I alluded to earlier, is just be curious. I mean, that's what's gotten me um, in a lot of doors. I have no problem asking stupid questions, um, and half the time, is, it, and it sounds cliche, but people are wondering the exact same thing. So I will knock on many doors, I will ask a ton of questions, I don't care how silly or stupid it may sound, um, but that's the only way you learn and you grow, um, and you find out how to take what that team is doing and translate it into something that can really impact the business in a big way so be curious ask a lot of questions Um, look at problems from different lenses and different perspectives my boss who i have now likes to say you know always sit on the same side of the table as the person you're dealing with to see the problem from their perspective because that's the only way you'll figure out how to help them get to the next level Um, so i would say that's another piece of advice um, and always challenge status quo. I've, I've been lucky to be a very big, large, uh, traditional companies in some ways, but working always on innovation and pushing the boundaries. Whether that was at Sprint Nextel way back in the day, dating myself when four G was a stunts work project and <laughs> people were wondering why you're looking at four G and no one was even using three G for video. <laughs> uh, you picked the wrong standard. Yeah, that's right next to all, but that's a different <laughs> story. <laughs> um, but I've always been able to you know, look at a problem, challenge that to quote, don't take what's given as the right answer, right? At the time, we would have never made as much advance as we did if we didn't ask the, the kind of second order, third order questions of what's gonna happen next, what is gonna, how is something gonna evolve, and what are the solutions and technologies and, and other things that are needed to facilitate that new world order. Um, so just, I, I mean, it sounds simple again, but just ask a lot of questions, be curious, challenge that as quo. And we all, you know, part of the beauty of diversity and of us being in the room is we, we do see things differently. And if we don't use our voice in those rooms to
1: challenge other people to see that problem from a different perspective, we may be missing a huge opportunity, right? And one of the, I want to touch on two things that you mentioned. So asking questions. So there's always been saying, there's never any dumb questions, right? Yeah.
2: I don't know if you believe it, though. I, I, I said I didn't, I'm not afraid of asking a stupid question. Um, you know, for me, it's also a technique to be part of the conversation. So I am an introvert. I'm on your show, Um, (laughs) I'm an introvert, and I I fake it until I make it, right? Because I have to in order to do my job, and it's not always easy to kind of come into a room with lots of new faces, many times being the only woman or the only person of color, and finding a way to be part of the conversation. So for me, asking questions is also a technique, right, to figure out how to, get in there, and get my voice heard. Um, and so, you know, there aren't stupid questions, there are ways of asking
1: questions um, that sound more effective than others, but I don't think it's a stupid question.
0: Well, and then you also mentioned
1: diversity. Obviously, one of the reasons that we're at Black Tech Week is we don't see a lot of blacks that are working in the tech industry, and so it's nice to see everyone in the room today, and then... Beautiful. Yeah. And then also, you mentioned challenging Status quo. Well. So it's almost like diversity and challenging the status quo and bringing our diverse opinions to the table is very important to make change. That's right.
2: Um, you know, I like I said,
1: I sit in a lot of rooms
2: for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's product related. Sometimes it's launching lift labs. Sometimes it's making hiring decisions. Um, and I don't think you know. I really think people don't know what they don't know. Um, in most cases, right. So. You know, I feel a bit of an obligation to speak up because I am the only person that looks like me in a lot of these rooms. And I don't think that people recognize sometimes that they're excluding a certain group from the conversation because it's, for them, it's their status quo, it's just the way things are. Um, until you shine a light on it and, you know, bring <clears throat> attention to the, to the problem, um, it will just continue. And so, you know, I, I'm lucky to be in the position that I'm in, and I'm lucky to be in a lot of rooms where I can shine a light when we're making certain decisions, and you know, having alternative perspectives at the table I think leads to
1: better decisions mostly. And that's a great fact for everyone to take away: the challenge the status quo, start speaking up, and start making it known that things need to be changed. Absolutely.
2: Be part of the solution, and. Like I said, there's there's ways of asking questions. There's also ways of bringing some of this stuff to people's attention, right? So, you know, I think we can be part of the conversation. We can be respectful on how we deliver that information. We can be um, thoughtful. Um, we can try to be empathetic. Um, but it's important to have the conversation. It's important to ask in certain cases why there are no women on certain teams. It's important to ask why there are not people of color in certain teams. It's important to ask. In other cases, why there aren't older people on certain teams, and there are very young people in many of these tech roles. Um, There are opportunities for lots of different people in tech. I mean, uh, somebody used to say that innovation is kind of a marriage of creativity and execution, right? And and creativity without execution is just a hallucination. Um, So if you need people, right, who can help you fully execute something, and that's not just coding, and it's not just developing a product. You need people who can do the financials. You need people who can manage the program. You need people who can you know, help communicate it and get it out in, in the media. I mean, there are so many roles to turn tech innovation into true innovation through execution that it's impossible for it to be done by just an exclusive of people.
1: Yes, and I love the quote that you just had about innovation and how to be successful. So hopefully everyone was listening
0: <laughs>
1: but so I Ebony, mean, let's shift gears a little bit you are an svp at comcast but you didn't always start in that role so let's go through a little journey of your time at comcast and how you got to the innovation side
2: um
1: i took a bit of a risk
2: in coming to comcast uh, i uh, you know leveraged my network i was in the dc area and working on And it's written, I saw this tiny little project called 4G. And um, someone I'd worked with in consulting reached out to me about a couple opportunities at Comcast. And I wasn't looking to to move to Philadelphia, as lovely as it is. Um, And I wasn't looking to switch jobs, but it was a really unique opportunity to work with someone who I knew and I trusted. So it was actually the first time I took a job, not because of job description, not because of the title, but because of the, the belief in that individual. And I thought if he is going to Comcast and he's been there for several years and he's telling me that some interesting cool things are happening there and maybe I should take a second look. And I thought, and what's the worst that could happen? Two years, you know, I'll see. I'll move to Philly, see how it goes. And it may, it'll only 10 years. Wow. Uh, so it was worth the risk. Uh, I, I joined a team of business kind of strategists inside the office of the chief technology um, leader. And our job was to help justify developing business cases for next generation technology. Otherwise, a lot of that technology would just stay in the lab. And so our job was to make the case, develop the numbers, go sell it around to finance and people in the, the business units and get those engineering um, brain children out of the lab and into the field. And by the way of doing that, I you know came across many different projects One of those projects was what is now the X1 platform, which was a complete reimagining of how we deliver our video service, um, which is basically all cloud-based, which sounds very basic in the the tech and web world, um, but in 50 years of cable and doing something the same way, it was truly transformative to be able to remove the limits of old technology as the barrier to doing cool things and turn everything into a business decision because every, all the intelligence is in the cloud and not in the hardware. Um, and that was my first kind of exploration into getting you know, something from literally a paper napkin and something that completely changed the way we delivered our video experience from a concept out the door. And I've been doing those kinds of projects um, at Contest since.
1: Okay, so I have to ask the audience another question. Emily, you took the risk of taking a job based on who you knew, the, the job description. How many people would actually do that?
2: Okay, so point we have someone up front,
1: like <laughs> 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 but it's the network you build, it's the people that you're around. So I'd have to ask obviously, this person was close to you, and that like you have other mentors that have changed your course of your career. How did you find those people? It's a,
2: that's a Good question, and, and not an easy one. You know, some people find their way in your life, and you're not sure how, sometimes they quite not there. Right. Um, this individual was one person that, you know, we shared many consulting assignments with. You know, we weren't, pers- like, great personal close friends, um, but we respected each other. And I, I always admired the way he looked at a problem, the way he got his job done. Clearly, there was something he saw in me that was high potential as well, and so I just maintained that relationship. And over time, not knowing that you know we would ever work together again, it just so happened that we did. And he did um, continue to be a mentor, and continues to this day, even so though he's not at Comcast anymore. Um, for other people, um, I would say, just remember, especially in a large organization, people are always watching. And especially when they look like us, uh, we're easy to find and pick out. <laughs> so um, people are always watching. And, you know, one of the things I did in my career contest is always volunteer for, for anything. Else, you know? and, and I remember very clearly, was it wasn't my job, for example, to do demos, um, product demos. It was, had nothing to do with my job. Uh, but I remember my boss and my boss's boss couldn't do a series of demos. And so I volunteered to do this roadshow and go around the company showcasing this new technology, this new product we were building. And the number of people who remembered me from that experience still boggles my mind today. People today, 10 years later, still remember me going out and showcasing this new platform. And some of my mentors today and my sponsors, which of course are very different than mentors, yes. um, came through those interactions, not because of the core job I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So I would say always look for those opportunities to do something slightly outside of your, your day-to-day job to get exposure to different groups of people. Because those are where new opportunities are going to come from, it's where potential mentors can come from and it's where those sponsors can come from who are talking about you in the rooms that you're not in when there are new opportunities for advancement. Uh, And I know some of those sponsors today talked about me in those rooms and made sure that I was on the list, uh, the special list, whatever that
1: is, uh, to uh, to continue to advance. Right. Right, and how many people know the difference between a mentor and a sponsor? Pretty much that. Do you want to? Let's just have a short conversation. Really
2: quickly, a mentor is someone you can go to for, I think, practical advice. Uh, Someone you know who can counsel you on specific uh, issues or questions that you have uh, and guide you through your career. A sponsor, again, may not always be apparent to you, but they're the ones that are willing to put their own reputation on the line. In order to make sure that you get an opportunity for advancement and so they're the ones quietly behind the scenes they may not be advising you personally on a day-to-day basis but they're talking about you they're advocating for you
1: behind the scenes to other people who can help advance your career right excellent and i hope everyone knows who their sponsors and mentors are because it's really important especially when building your network
0: Because you're going to
1: need those people, like you said, to get the amazing opportunities that you never would know about if you didn't have them in your network. And so we've been talking about how awesome Comcast is and how you enjoy working there.
0: And so it's a large,
1: established company, though, it's not a startup, it's got, you know, it's been around for a very long time. And so I want to ask, how can companies like Comcast that are large and established keep up with the current tech trends and be innovative? Um, you know, people forget that large companies
2: started small. You know, Comcast was a startup 55 years ago. It was the idea of Ralph Roberts, who before uh, starting Comcast, sold belts. Okay? He was an entrepreneur in Philadelphia. He sold belts and then some kind of pants came out that didn't need belts anymore. And he said, that's not good for my business. I better go figure out what else I can do. Um, And so, Ralph Roberts, who started Comcast, was an entrepreneur. And Comcast started very small. It didn't turn into the company we are today overnight. It's taken 55 years. And I think one of the unique things about Comcast is still having family members who are in leadership positions, like Brian Roberts, they, they continue to try to keep some of that entrepreneurial spirit inside the company. It's hard, though. We have, it's a machine, right? We are a public company. We get measured on our results. Um, We, uh, you know, our investors expect a certain return. And so we have to be careful about how we spend our money, but people um, expect us to continue to grow in new ways. And we have leaders around the company who want to do that. So I think, you know, how does a large corporate stay innovative? One, you have to have leadership that wants to do it. That's, that's number one, right? And number two, you have to have leaders that give you the time and space to actually go do it. Give you the money, give you the resources. You know, some of the projects we worked on, we literally left the building. We, we got space in Ratner, which is a suburb outside of Philadelphia. Um, we started with a handful of people. We hired non-cable people, right? We wanted to build the non-cable experience for video, and so we hired people from tech, people from Xbox, and Google, and Microsoft, and all these other people who can bring a fresh lens in redeveloping the video experience. So I think to stay innovative, you have to be willing to disrupt yourself, and we literally had a competitive team building a competitive product against another team in the company, Uh, and you know, one of those things still exists. Uh, and the other doesn't, um, but the leadership has to be willing to give you that time and space to nurture new ideas. The, the other thing I think that you have to do as a large company is be willing to admit you don't know all the answers. And as large as our company is, I think the way that you continue to innovate and grow is by keeping your ear to the ground and, and developing partnerships with companies that aren't like you. And obviously the startup community is a key partner as well, right? There's no other place that you can get early insights into trends and innovation and where people are going than the startup community. And so it was really important for us to take a more proactive role in being a good partner to the startup community as a means of helping startups grow their businesses, but also as a means of always having a view to what's around the corner. And, you know, there's lots of ways, again, that I think corporates can attack this, but I think you have to be willing to give internal teams a chance to do something disruptive, but you also have to be willing to go outside and, you know, face the realities of the disruptions that are happening and how other people are attacking that problem
1: and find interesting ways to partner with them as well. So actually, speaking on partnerships, you're partnering with Techstars for Labs. So let's explain to everyone what Lyft Labs is.
2: Great. Um, Lyft Labs is a collaborative environment that we're building. Um, For those of you who know Philadelphia a little bit, we have our headquarters in Philadelphia. um, A great building, but we're actually building a second tower as well um, to further our commitment to the city. And that's where most of our technologists and product designers and other people work in. Innovation will be housed. Um, and we thought it was really important as that comes online to have a collaborative space where our teams can work side by side with startup teams and help them with their businesses. So we'll have programming, events, talks, and mentors available to startups in Philadelphia, startups who want to visit Philadelphia, but we'll also create a virtual community as well to get access to those resources. A flagship component of this program is the accelerator powered by Techstars. Techstars, as many of you know, is a globally recognized organization that has run many, many accelerators with many, many large companies. They have a proven model. They are mentorship driven. They will be a fantastic partner in a 13-week boot camp to really hyper-focus on a handful of startups that are focused on media, entertainment, and connectivity and help them get their business off the ground. Maya, I see in the audience, so I'm managing director, thanks for being here. And we're super excited to partner with Techstars to really um, help the startup community, help Philadelphia at large, and um, Lyft Labs is, is excited to be started. Are there any particular requirements you're looking for in regards to this startup? I mean, right now we're we're interested in partnering with startups who are thinking about whatever the next generation is of media, entertainment, and connectivity. And that's very broad. That can be, you know, next generation marketing, it can be the next generation of video, it could be um, smart cities, the term of connectivity, and IoT, it could be applications of AI machine learning to solve some of those areas. Um, So right now, it's pretty broad in terms of the types of companies that we want to partner with and bring through both the Techstar Accelerator and and the general link lab programs. Um, But we can go online and learn more. Our website, actually, most of the people in the room will get this brochure at dinner, but for those on the podcast, the website is podcastnpculift.com. And I think it's also important to point out that It is the collective power of podcast and NBC Universal that we're bringing to the table. And so some people don't remember that we have quite a large portfolio of companies under that umbrella, right? Do you want to name a few? NBC Broadcast, we have Telemundo right here in Miami, Um, the film studios Universal, the parks, um, and obviously podcast and other parts of the business. And so we're really looking at ways to um, innovate across the business, and we'll be looking at ways to bring experts
1: and mentors from all of those business units to help the startups that come through the programs. Awesome, and I know we have a few minutes left, so I wanna get to a little bit of a personal question. Okay. So you did grow up going to boarding school, and how did that shape influencing what you've gone on to do with life? Because it had a major impact on you.
2: Yeah, um, I did go to boarding school, uh, it was not the thing you did in my neighborhood of uh, a single parent at home with six kids. Uh, but that's what I love about my mom she, uh, you know, her kids are being the world to her and um, she has education as high, her highest priority. And so when weird kids like me come home and say, oh, there's this cool school that looks like this idyllic campus, like why don't I go there? Why does my school look this way? Um, And so somehow we stumbled into the private school boarding school world. Uh, And when I did, I said, I don't want to go to any boarding school. I want to go to the best boarding school. And i was like, "Okay, Um, (laughs) (laughs) figure it out. (laughs) Go apply for some loans and some financial aid. And and I did go to Phillips Exeter Academy in in New Hampshire. And it was truly a transformative experience. I mean, um, I didn't know so much about how the world worked. I didn't know how big the world was, right, so to right. be on this campus with 14 year olds to 18 year olds from every state, from lots of different countries, um, you know, Ugh. I didn't know what sushi was, I never had a mango, like it sounds really? silly, but I didn't know those things when I was growing up. Um, You know, I had an opportunity to spend my junior year in Spain. Um, That was the first plane I ever got on when I was 16. So, you know, in terms of just opening my eyes to this huge world, it just makes you want more, right? And and to want to be in more places and want to see more people like you in those places. Um, So, did it shape my experience? Absolutely. It also made me very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, There's no other way to say that, I mean, it's uh, again, there weren't a lot of people like me from my background at my income level, Uh, so uh, it taught me very quickly to just be comfortable with being
1: different. So obviously, Ebony loves to travel. Uh, (laughs) We have been talking about your experiences at the boarding school. So where are some of your favorite places to travel? That one's hard. I want to go everywhere. Um,
2: I, everywhere. I mean, I I, I love going to India, because I felt like traveling around India, you were literally going to different countries, um, all in, in one country. I loved South Africa, because it was the first time that I went on safari and there were literally lions like sitting right there. Um, I went to Peru for Thanksgiving, and went to Machu Picchu, which was amazing to believe what humans can do so long ago. Again, the capacity of the human, you know, will and brain to get things done is just amazing. So it's hard to list one place. I, I love them all and I want to
1: keep going. I understand I'm a person of let's too, so we'll talk about our travels at yes. dinner. So I want to open up the floor. Does anyone have any questions for Ebony or myself? Greetings. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Sean O'Dray, and uh, I am a uh, civil servant uh, in the community, I um, also work with um, in different youth and technology. Um, but regarding uh, your com- – well, first of all, thank you so much for coming out here. Actually, it's a pleasure and honor. Regarding your role um, at Comcast, a place that has so much control over uh, images that are uh, Distributed um, over strategic assets of what makes it on to to television. Um, I'd just like to hear about your experience um, for seeing the consolidation of the industry right, and seeing that your role. Um, what are your thoughts on how you actually influence or are able to uh, um, to observe the things that are happening and say, hey, these things may affect me, and either I should be communicating these things to uh, people or maybe I should be trying to take a role to uh, shape in in the past culture. If you have any thoughts on that.
2: It's a big question. Um, I wouldn't say that I am in the middle of making, in my role, that I'm in the middle of making decisions about what gets on TV, if if that's part of the question.
1: In your your own influence, in your, Yeah,
2: I think the way we do influence it is by making sure that we have platforms and opportunities for lots of different types of providers to find their way onto our platforms. So, you know, I I referenced earlier in the journey of the X one part of our philosophy was removing technology as a barrier and turning everything into a business decision. We literally could not, if we wanted to, put YouTube on cable because it was technology the technology didn't allow it, right? So if you remove some of those barriers, now you can start having discussions with a larger set of providers who have IP based content that could potentially find its way onto that screen. And so I think part of our goal is to figure out how to remove technology as the barrier and allow business people to have conversations with a wider spectrum of potential partners to find their way onto that device <coughs> platform. Um, you know, we have lots of people who spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make sure there's representation of different backgrounds, cultures, and so forth. One of my very good friends, um, is in that role, happy to talk more about that at dinner. Um, But it is something that um, people spend a lot of time thinking about, Um, but in terms of my role, I can say that that is at the core of what I do.
1: Anyone else with any questions? You mentioned that um, you have become comfortable with being different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you talk more about sharing your culture and also being embraced with other cultures? And could you also talk more about um, what the experience is like when you just kind of miss your own. you just you want to go back to what you know is familiar. <laughs> Good question. Um, you know, I
2: think I think you should show up as your authentic self in general, right? So I don't. I know it's hard to try to have two different lives and two different faces. It's exhausting. Like my job is hard enough, but I don't have the energy to try to be somebody that I'm, I'm not. And so I think that's part of the answer, which is you have to be comfortable with just who you are and bringing that to work every day. And either people are going to like it and accept it, or people aren't, and maybe you should find a different place where that is more acceptable. And so I guess in that way, I'm sharing of myself every day, because I don't, I don't try to be something at work that I'm not at home. Um the second part of your question when I I feel like I miss my own again you seek out people who share your interests and remember it's not always you know diversity isn't a color it's not um, a gender it's people who share common interests and have common values and so I have, my people in lots of places. Like one of my best friends here uh, from Northern Virginia, who came out, um, we've known since I guess 18, something like that. Um, and we find each other. Same thing at work. You know, there's a group of people who um, we share common interests. We get together all the time. They don't all look exactly like me either. Um, so you know, I think we try to balance it the best we can, but mostly you get comfortable just being you and surrounding yourself with people who share your interests and share your values i do that at work and then there's if there are people who don't that, i spend less time with them um,
1: <laughs>
2: i get my job done and I keep it moving
1: and actually i'm going to jump in a little bit on this question because with, where i work i'm the only black female and i think i'm the only person that's actually under 30 on my team so all the people i work with i'm their kids age. And so they don't really relate to anything that's going on in my world. So I think a major thing that I have focused on is finding groups outside of work too. So, for instance, there's a lot of like black women's groups, there's like black tech women, just so you can go and they don't understand when you're in certain situations that it's not helpful for you and it's actually sometimes a little toxic, but they don't know what they don't know. And so, just having that outside resource is just kind of just like, Oops, ah, you know, I'm just is very helpful. So I definitely recommend looking at outside groups and employee resource groups, yes. because you also need someone that's inside that can say, okay, let me give you some advice. If you're in this situation, do one, two, and three. Yeah. So it's just using the resources around you, being open to other people's commentary to and stay safe. On the point of the ERG, especially
2: in a corporate environment, you also don't have to wait for that to be established. Like, Go establish one. Because if you're feeling that way, there are other people who feel that way as well. We didn't have employee resource groups when I started 10 years ago. I don't know exactly when they started, but now they're here. But it came because somebody, an individual said, I have an idea, and I think it's in the company's interest and it's other employees' interest to make sure we have a safe place and a a group of people who share common needs and interests to get together on a regular basis. And by the way, that's funded from one of our top leaders at Comcast. if you don't see it at your place
0: work, make it happen. Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of Black Tech Unplugged. If you're a new listener or haven't subscribed already, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play to listen and subscribe to the podcast. And if you really enjoy the show and the content, make sure to head to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Or send a review over to blacktechunplugged at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to share with your friends on social media using hashtag BlackTechUnplugged. Until next time.